in the blood. The body in the blood. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Midnight Terrors podcast. I'm your co-host today, Kevin, and uh, already losing my shit because this is episode two of two recorded with ZC Kroll and our Jacob Honeybrook uh, following up on our Renfield episode. My voice is going because we've been laughing our ass off for five minutes at a blooper that you're probably going to hear at the end of the episode that makes no sense. Um, but yeah, we're back. Uh, Zach and Roy, welcome back. Hey, what's up, man? What's going on, Kevin? Thanks for having me back. It's been a while. It has been a while. <laughs> Haven't seen y'all in so long. And it's been I like just minutes. I know. I just I die every minute I'm away from you guys. Me too. Same. It's not the a, same without you guys. We need a minute. All right. <laughs> and that's our minute. Like, is uh, it a minute of silence or? Yeah. <laughs> that's my definition of a minute. <laughs> uh, no wonder I'm single. <laughs> All right, everybody. So we are back. I thought now. you were single because everyone just assumes they're ta- that you're taken. Let me see you. I mean, that'd be nice. Yeah. That's what I thought. That's why I haven't tried. That's yeah. the only reason Roy keeps coming back to the show. <laughs> hey, single yet? <laughs> there we go. Uh, me and Roy, the two uh, the two uh, wild stallions. Oh, running wild, running free. And hung like horses. <laughs> <laughs> like a baby's arm holding an apple. <laughs> oh, God. All right. So <laughs> moving on. So welcome, everybody, back. <laughs> this is terrible do i have to start over no this is fine (laughs) do you actually want to start oh god i'm gonna have to do so much editing are you gonna be okay editing all this no it's fine fuck it all right anyway we're back everybody with zach and roy and myself you heard us just Previously on the Renfield episode, I said that there were two theatrical releases that we had yet to talk about on Midnight Terrors. <laughs> Are you okay, Zach? I'm great. <laughs> uh, I'm great. Yeah, keep going. You're great. <laughs> the body in the blood. The body in the blood. <laughs> and uh, one of those was Renfield. And this next one is the last big release, I think, uh, that we haven't talked about yet on the show. And this is our last episode of 2023, so it only makes sense that we talk about it now. Uh, Probably the most divisive horror movie of 2023. Uh, And we're going to talk about why, because we're talking about The Exorcist Believer. And uh, how excited are you guys? I am very excited. I can't wait. (laughs) I have my finger. I'm, I'm excited that you invited me on. I can't wait to talk about it for real, Kevin. Thank you. Yeah. For it's gonna be good. I have my finger on the. I have my. I have a finger. I have my finger on the kick button here, uh, just in case. But uh, that's okay. Hopefully, you won't have to use it. Uh. But uh. You so, can you can touch me with your finger button anytime. Kevin. <laughs> I knew you were gonna take it somewhere <laughs> like that. So. Yeah, so this is the last big release that Midnight Terrors hasn't covered yet this year. And I definitely wanted to get Roy and Zach on, uh, because I think we're all coming at this from different angles. Um, 
We have all talked off air about the previous effort from the team behind this movie, which was most recently Halloween Ends. Uh, we all have various opinions on that, I think, or I think I might be in the minority on that, but I don't know. Uh, but I definitely wanted to talk about The Exorcist Believer before the year ends, because again, this is a movie that is uh, very, di- very, di- very divisive amongst uh, fans uh, of the horror genre. So I definitely wanted to kind of dive into it. Um, just a little bit of preface on this. I am going to lean on Roy and Zach just a little bit for this because they just got to get fresh watches in. I did not, unfortunately. So I'm going off of my memory from my theatrical experience. Uh, so when we get into specifics, I'm going to let them take the lead on that and kind of chime in where I can. But overall, I can talk about my thoughts on the movie. Um, we are going to get into spoilers. So if you have not seen The Exorcist Believer and you don't want it ruined for you, um, don't listen until you've seen it. Uh, go check it out and then come back and take a listen. So before we dive into specifics, I kind of wanted to just go round Robin style for a second and talk about our overall thoughts on the movie um, and just give like a brief summary of what you think of the movie, spoiler free, and then we'll dive into the specifics of the movie. Um, Roy, do you want to start us off this time? I think you're the freshest on watching this. Sure. Yeah, I just finished it up a couple hours ago. Uh, Overall, I didn't hate it, but at the same time, I'll probably never watch it again. And I don't know. It just wasn't it wasn't terrible. Right. (laughs) But at the same time, it's there's a difference between being slow, like a slow burn to a story and just being boring. And to me, this crossed the line into boring more than it did uh, an interesting slow burn. And I think that really held it back because when things do start to pop off towards the last third, last quarter of the movie, that's when I started to really pay more attention to it, I guess, or really start to get with it more. Um, So a little bit too slow, I'll say boring for me for the most part. But I think there's some stuff in here that there's some bright spots that could have made for a better movie is what i'm trying to say sure uh zach i'm i'm honestly a little scared of of where you're gonna come at where you're gonna come from with this so uh let loose the hellhounds my friend (laughs) no i i'm uh i'm pretty much with roy um but I actually like this movie and I feel I, I think I've told everybody this, you guys this, and I've said it, I think I've said it on my podcast and I've like told friends this. So a lot of people have probably heard me say this like a million times, but I actually think this is a good movie. I just don't think it's a good exorcist movie. And it's the same problem I have with Halloween ends is that Halloween ends is a really good movie. In my opinion, I just don't think it works as a Halloween movie, like where Michael Myers really needs to like be there. And like with this movie, I feel like, it it tries so hard not to be an exorcist movie and then it kind of is an exorcist movie for 10 minutes but you know kind of throw in ellen burston in there and it just kind of feels like i would have liked it more if it had just been its own kind of solo movie not called the exorcist and just kind of allowed itself to be something else instead of like trying to weasel its way into like working like this exorcist stuff into it like i feel like that's what kind of like brings it down is like it's trying to be this franchise movie, not like its own thing. 
Gotcha. So for me, so so, but that's I'm giving it a compliment. Like it's yeah. like it's 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 a good movie. It's just like the problem with it is that it's a it's an Exorcist movie. <laughs> I yeah, know. no, I, I got you. You're saying. Yeah. yeah, because no, if it fair. wasn't an Exorcist movie, and you you know I didn't know much about it going in, but knowing it's an Exorcist movie, you know the girls disappear, they turn back up. I'm like, oh, they're gonna be possessed. If yeah. it was trying to be more its own thing, it, there could be that era of mystery around it. Where did they go? What did happen to them? But being called exorcist you're like oh they're gonna be possessed yeah yeah and i think that's like david gordon green's problem for me because it's the same thing he did halloween ends where i'm like this is a really cool story about this kid named Corey cunningham and i want to see where this goes and like but then like all the michael myers shit gets in the way and i shouldn't feel that about a halloween movie it should just not be a halloween movie if that's gonna be the case <laughs> so for me uh I mentioned that in the last episode, I I did my top five favorite horror movies of 2023. Um, The Exorcist Believer was not in there. So I will not rank this as, you know, one of my like all time favorites of 2023, because there was a lot of horror movies this year. Um, This one's a little bit more on the forget on on the forgettable side, if I'm being honest. it doesn't have the staying power of some of the other movies that I saw this year. Um, But that being said, uh, I actually thoroughly enjoyed this movie um, a lot. I really, really liked it. Um, I'd probably put it on par with Evil Dead Rise this year. Um, which Evil Dead Rise was probably my most anticipated horror movie of 2023. And it ended up kind of being a a really good movie, but kind of a letdown for me um, compared to what I was expecting. Now, on the flip side, with Evil Dead, that's like one of my favorite franchises. So I went in with really high expectations Um, people have probably heard me say this. I do really like the exorcist, the original from 1973. Is it one of my all time favorite horror movies? No, I saw it. I saw the original 73 exorcist really late, uh, when I was like 23 or something like that. And I actually read the book first, um, of the exorcist because, uh, Roy, you'll, you'll get where I'm coming from with this. Uh, Ice Nine Kills did their album Every Trick in the Book mm-hmm. and one of the songs was based off the book The Exorcist so I was trying to read all the books that they wrote the songs about so I bought The the Exorcist, the book um, and I read the book and the book scared the shit out of me like absolutely terrified me um, and then I watched the movie right after and the movie kind of let me down so mm-hmm. for a few years I didn't really like The Exorcist that much I kind of thought it was boring and cheesy and just not my thing and then i kind of revisited it a few years later and was like oh, okay i get it now um but that also comes with me really appreciating 70s horror cinema a lot more the older i get yeah um but i'm not coming from a place of like the the original exorcist is like the pinnacle of horror for me or anything like that you know it never has really scared me um so that being said with changes that they wanted to make for the exorcist believer Um, and so I don't, I don't have that comparison to the original, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Um, so I'm a little more okay with them trying to do something 
pretty different. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like with Halloween ends, like, cause that's a more controversial review of mine is that I actually really like that movie with Halloween ends. There's a lot more Halloween movies than there are exorcist movies and Halloween ends. Like I can only watch Michael just kill people so many times before I'm just going to get burned out uh, as much as I love the Halloween movies. So I was ready for something different there. On this one, I didn't really have the expectation of like, these are what the Exorcist movies are. Cause, and we'll dive into this. I've never seen anything of the Exorcist outside of the original. Oh, hmm. um, I've seen pieces of what's the one that has uh, Stellan Skarsgård in it. Zach, you probably know what that one. Uh, the beginning. Yeah. So I've seen hmm. like the ending of that one, but I've never seen anything fully outside of the original. So well, I don't know. I think you would love three. That's what I keep hearing. Everybody holds three in really high regard. Mm-hmm. Um, three's almost more of a slasher, right? Um, like that. It's kind of a slasher. It's about a slasher. You don't really see like slasher scenes necessarily, but um, kind of reminds me of seven. It came out before okay. seven. I think there was a big influence on seven. And it kind of reminds me of like Jacob's Ladder. It's more like psychological, like thriller horror like very like cerebral in your mind kind of or gotcha that's really well done very underrated movie yeah i definitely know that iconic jump scare from three uh in the hospital that thing is quite scary um but so going into this one with believer i didn't have like expectations of what an exorcist movie should be so i think i was a little more lenient with um where they decided to go if that makes sense um Yeah. yeah I do think, and I want to, so that's our sort of spoiler-free review. Before we dive into the spoilers, I do want to say that I do think that there's a little bit of bias against this movie, not from you guys, but from people on the internet (laughs) who are so against Halloween ends that they just now hate David Gordon Green and Danny (laughs) McBride so much wow absolutely i totally see that (laughs) That they're not gonna appreciate anything that they do ever because of halloween ends well there are people just that that are being relentless just against him and i don't think that's fair at all because i think david gordon green's actually a really great director and like Mm -hmm. i said even on here like i think this movie is actually a really good movie i just think it's like a misguided attempt at being like an exorcist movie and i feel the same way about halloween ends yeah. And I think his 2018 Halloween and Halloween Kills are both excellent movies. I think Halloween Kills like kicks ass. Oh yeah. So it has nothing, Kills. Yeah, it has nothing to do with him or him as a director. I think it's just like the way the movie ends up being as a final product, the way it's packaged, I think it just doesn't work for me as like an exorcist movie. Sure. But like everybody online, like there's no nuance like to why like people don't like something. It has to be like this is the biggest piece of shit I've ever seen. Yeah, it's never just like I didn't really like it. It's just the worst movie ever. And I saw yeah. people calling this the worst horror movie ever. And I'm like, um, no. yeah, no. <laughs> the Exorcist? The Exorcist Believer. Yeah, they were calling it the worst one ever? Yeah. Oh, God, they haven't like, seen some of the stuff up. I've we've, seen. Yeah, no. we've, we've seen worse <laughs> movies like in preparation for our shows. <laughs> this movie had lighting and a camera. It's not the worst <laughs> horror movie ever. Yeah. This... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the thing nobody, that... It... Nobody looked into the camera lens at any point by accident. <laughs> yeah. The thing that infuriated me the most when I was reading like the Google reviews after I saw this, someone gave it a one-star review on Google before they saw the movie. And they admitted it. They said... 
I haven't seen the movie. I could be proven wrong, but for now I'm giving this the one star review because just based on the trailer, this movie's dead in the water. Oh, and I'm geez. like, you you can't do that, man. Right. Yeah, that's just the internet for you. Yeah. <laughs> so I do want to kind of like preface my thoughts that I do think people are being way too harsh on this movie. Well, that's such a dumb way to be. I mean, I love certain bands that have put out albums that I don't necessarily enjoy. Some I don't like, but it's not like I just don't like the band and hate the band forever after that. Like, come on. Yeah. So just kind of want to preface that we're not here to like battle with people on the internet. Your opinion is your opinion. You're allowed to have that. Um, I just want to point out that I do think people because of the reputation of Halloween ends are just being way too unfair on the Exorcist believer. It is yeah. not the worst horror movie ever made. I'm sorry. No, not at all. And no. Kevin, you know, I've never been that type of way. In yeah, fact, no, like, the whole reason I reached out to you this year, like the whole reason we met, um, it's because I started listening to Midnight Terrors and I was like, these guys are actually constructive in their reviews of movies. Even if they don't like them, they always have something positive to say and like they actually, you know, know what they're talking about. And yeah. I'm just like bashing. There are guys on like YouTube and like, you know, you can look at find other shows where they're just like absolutely bashing movies for making this like, yeah, shut up, man. Well, again, I think if anything, kind of like how Roy said, you know, outside of it, you know, a joke like this movie's well shot <laughs> you know you mm -hmm. can't deny that there is technicality behind the camera uh and there's effective shots whether you like the story or not fine but there's really well it's a well-made movie you know you can't deny that same with halloween ends um go ahead roy oh no i'm sorry <laughs> you look like you're gonna say something no i, I was just being weird don't mind okay. me <laughs> no worries that's what we're here to do uh but that's more than your... welcome here there we go so this is your spoiler warning if you've not seen the exorcist believer uh we're going to dive into specifics now uh so if you don't want to spoil don't listen until you watch the movie um uh, but yeah here we go so again roy zach i'm gonna kind of lean on you guys for um specifics but i do remember this were you like intrigued at all by the beginning of the movie when we start with uh, Victor and his wife on vacation? Yeah, I mean, you don't really know who these characters are yet. You just see a couple and they're vacationing in Haiti. And am I getting my facts from Grand Theft Auto Vice City or does voodoo come from Haiti? I believe that's correct. Okay. My understanding is that it originates in Haiti. Okay. I like that you got that from <laughs> Very... I get a lot of my information Very... from Grand Theft Auto Vice City, which is probably why my life is in the shape it's in. Very impressive uh, source reference there, buddy. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there, there's this couple in Haiti, the one's pregnant, and this kid's like, hey, follow me. We can bless your child or whatever. So she follows this kid into this apartment complex, which I wouldn't do that in Philly. And uh, <clears throat> they do like this ritual and stuff, and it seems... It seems like innocent enough, but I'm just like, is, is there something to this? Like, are they possessing this child or something? Yeah, I wondered if that was going to be a, a contrib contributing factor uh, to where we were going to go with uh, with the story here. Um, not really. Kind of yeah. just kind of kind of an irrelevant detail, to be honest. And it's so weird because I thought that was going to be like where this curse was placed on the kid or the family or whatever but it never really came back to that for sure look it, it kind of if i'm if i may push back a little bit 
Please do. If I may. Um, it kind of comes back to that because I, I noticed that um, the, the opening is kind of like a prologue to me. It kind of uh, echoes the original film that mm-hmm. opens up in India. I think it's in yes. India where Marin is. That's where like they this. find that statue. I think it's yeah. Afghanistan, isn't it? Or Iraq? I think it's Iraq. Yeah. I think it's Iraq. Yeah, you're mm-hmm. right. Um, so the, the way that this opens in Haiti, I feel like this is kind <clears> of a prologue and kind of like a coming, like coming attraction of what is going to be faced later. Like, like this is going to come up in some way later. And I feel like what comes up at the end is Victor, um, like kind of his past comes back to haunt him where he chose his wife to be saved, not his kid. Yeah. I think that's what ends up like. Yeah. That's why they kind of tie together. Spoiler yeah. alert. I guess that's why we're, we're <laughs> yeah. split. I don't know. And there are some <laughs> parallels to be drawn between the original Exorcist and this one, in that after Victor loses his wife and goes on with his child and raising his child, um, you know, it's him and his daughter, he's lost his faith in God, which is, you know, very similar to Father Karras in the original Exorcist. So there are a lot of parallels between the original Exorcist and this one. So I got to ask, this is, you know, very much a, well, maybe not very much, but this is a, this is billed as a sequel. Does this feel like a straight up sequel to you guys? Or does this feel almost more of that remake territory or, or as people call it a requel where it's like a retelling of the story, but also with some tie-ins to the previous installment? I was going to say not necessarily a requel, but um, kind of, because it's not like a remake of the original story, but it it feels like that legacy sequel that everybody talks about, kind of like The Force Awakens, Mm -hmm. where you're acknowledging these things kind of that happened before. Like, it's almost like a legend, like Ellen Burstyn's kind of like the Han Solo or like the younger generation person meets that older generation. It's like, oh, I've heard about you. Like I saw clips of you and or like Ghostbusters Afterlife, they see the the old ad on YouTube and it's like, oh yeah, that happened in 84 when they saved New York. And it's like it's able to be its own story, but then they kind of acknowledge that something happened in the past and then tie it in somehow in the end. So yeah. I don't know, like, you know. It, I mean, so that's why I'm kind of weird with it being an exorcist movie. It's kind of like if you take Ellen Burstyn out and take out the connection of her writing that book and meeting her and having her come to the house, it really could just be any exor- exorcism movie. Yeah. I and I, I'm, I'm I think rambling. I, no, it's fine. That's, that's what I wanted <laughs> to, that's what I wanted to talk about is that there are so many parallels Um to the original that it's like with with the twist obviously that there's two possessed girls this time yeah but if you took uh um chris out ellen bernstein's character um as well as someone who shows up at the end which i'm sure everybody knows but we'll save that if you took them out like could this be a remake pretty much yeah kind of i i see it more of like a (laughs) spiritual successor so what i mean by that as it feels like a sequel but there are certain elements from the original source material it's almost like all the ingredients are there but you're not necessarily making the same cake as you did last time yeah it's almost like a re like a remix yeah i it's i think it's different enough where it is its own film 
but there's still definitely callbacks and things like that in there where I can see somebody saying, if you took out these characters that are now older, it could be a, a remake. I, I Yeah, I can see an argument for that. Yeah. And again, they do bring their own twist to it, I thought. Um, because, yeah. you know, as, as we said, you know, so Victor and his wife, uh, Serene, is that how you say his wife's name? I think sure. it's Serene, yeah. Yeah. Or Seren. Yeah, something like that. So Victor and his wife, Serene, they're vacationing, like they're on their honeymoon. Um, and an earthquake hits and his wife is injured in a collapsing building. And the paramedics say, you have to save your child or your wife. And we don't know what happened, but we just see him and his daughter, Angela, years later. Um, and honestly, the thing that was most captivating for me in the trailer for this movie was Catherine and her friend, or wait, Angela, who's Victor's daughter, and her friend Catherine leaving school and going into the woods mm -hmm. and disappearing for three days um roy i kind of agree with you that i do think they could have expanded on that a little more because we don't really see a lot of what happened in the three days uh because they go off into the woods to do a seance and they're not heard from for three days but the compelling part of the trailer for me was the oh i've been gone for a few hours dad like sweetie you've been gone for three days you know mm -hmm. that was the compelling part of the mystery for me um, and we do have, you know, a sequel or two on the way. So I think maybe there's room to expand upon that. But that's what drew me in that. I actually like the twist that it wasn't just like I played with a Ouija board and like everybody's seen this whole transition. I like that there was some room for mystery as to what actually happened. I just thought they found shrooms in the woods. That's why it felt like <laughs> that's a different exorcist movie. <laughs> Yeah, I see what you're saying, man. I think if they want more down the road of the mystery and keeping that intrigue up, it may have been more entertaining to me than what I found it to be. Yeah. Um, because we also have them, when they finally come back from the woods after three days, their feet are charred, they mm. say, uh, which was, again, very compelling, uh, which, which, again, kind of opens up the scope of the Exorcist world, I thought, personally. I actually kind of liked that there's implications that they didn't just communicate with something because Angela says she wants to communicate with her mom. So they're like, oh, we'll go do a seance and something happens. We don't see what. And I like the implications that they may have actually gone elsewhere during the seance as opposed to just talking to something like it really opens up the scope of the exorcist world for me. Yeah, I thought that was really cool when um Catherine's mother says that Jesus went to hell for three days and they disappeared for three days and then they just turned back up with these burned feet it's like man did they actually go to hell is there something more to this um exorcist world like yeah I thought that was a great touch to it mm -hmm. that's what really kept my interest for sure yeah for me this whole chunk of the movie like I like probably the first hour or first 40 minutes this was the strongest part of the movie for me like it's just this mystery like very compelling like yeah you know. i actually agree with you i do think that the first part where the girls are missing is probably the most captivating part of the movie yeah um and like the body horror aspect of it too or like when they finally are found and you see like the medical it reminded me of the first one like they you see her going through all the tests and everything and they can't really explain what happened and i love that kind of stuff yeah, and it's like I said, I think I would have enjoyed that part more 
if it wasn't slapped on as an exorcist movie if you yep. find out at the end like oh shit they're possessed and it's called like i don't know missing girls <laughs> you know yeah. but the fact that you slap the exorcist on there and all this stuff happens and you're just waiting for the possession because that's what exorcist movies are so you can almost... remind me of the movie uh sorry uh prisoners no, with huge oh yes <laughs> it reminded me of that movie so much that first hour i'm like this is so compelling like as a mystery thriller that's a great yeah. movie yeah so you could almost do like a split scenario like an m night Shyamalan thing where you're watching all of the split not realizing that it's tied to unbreakable yeah yeah, yeah. and i was thinking too um I don't know how you would play that though, because I don't know how you would market the movie and make it mass appeal if people don't know it's an Exorcist movie. But I like that idea. I think we'll see stuff like that in the future because, like, Cloverfield did something like that. Well, not being tied to anything else, but like kind of like mystery, kind of viral marketing, mm-hmm. where, where you might not know what something is until you go. And like, yeah, they maybe... did that. They did that with the Blair Witch sequel from a few years ago too. Yep. In 2016, it was marketed as like The Woods or something, and then it was revealed at a at a con to be a Blair Witch yep. sequel. See, like imagine walking into this theater and seeing this, and like the movie's just called Believer, and it's just like about these two girls that go missing, and they don't show Ellen Burstyn in the trailer. There's no mention. There's no Tubular Bells soundtrack, and then you know in the trailer, and then you're in the theater and you're watching all this unfold. And all of a sudden, Victor is like looking at fucking Ellen Burstyn on YouTube, and it's starting to unfold. And you're like, "What? This is an Exorcist movie?" Yeah, and you can still keep in those implications that they did get possessed or something. Keep the charred yeah. feet, keep the seance in there, but just leave that air of what actually did happen, because then yeah. you're guessing, like, "Oh, maybe they, maybe they did go to hell and get possessed." Oh, then now nah, that's silly. That didn't happen. See, yeah. I feel like that, like, I feel like that's what they should do with stuff like this. Like David Gordon Green, like, I feel like he, that's what he wants to do. Like he wants it to not be an exorcist movie until it kind of becomes one, like mm-hmm. halfway through. I, I feel like that's how Halloween ends was too. like, make it like make a movie called Haddonfield. And it's about this kid named Corey Cunningham. And if you're not a hardcore fan of the Halloween franchise, you would, you don't know what Haddonfield is, but you're sitting in the theater and you're seeing this kid named Corey Cunningham. And all of a sudden they start talking about Michael Myers and they talk about these murders in the 70s. And you're like, oh, fuck, this is a Halloween movie. I didn't even now know that, that. Now that I have seen that go a little awry before where it ends up being like, okay, and? <laughs> yeah. Uh, where uh, Curse of La Llorona was not billed as a Conjuring movie and then had like one scene to show that Annabelle was in the universe. And mm. they're like, oh, shit, it's a Conjuring movie. But I feel like they also didn't keep that a secret because they also were like, um, shit, we need people to come to the movie. So we need to tell them it's a Conjuring movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I guess they I guess they retroactively took that out of the universe. Too. Yeah, like I'm not sure how, it. but it again, it with that scene, like I like Curse of La Llorona and I thought that was a cool <laughs> Easter egg, but I also had it spoiled for me. But it also, it's, it's such a quick like scene and it's like, okay, cool. Whereas with Split, it's like, that's the ending that they leave you that, oh shit, this is going to continue on in the unbreakable world. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you hit the nail on the head too, as far as why it needs a big title slap to it. It goes back to getting people in the theaters. It goes back to money. If you go pitch a movie called Believer about these two girls that go missing and hey, they may or may not be possessed. Nobody's going to put that out. Yep. But if you yeah. go to the studio saying, hey, I have a great idea for the next Exorcist movie. Oh, those make money. Okay. Well, let's it's also... Kind of Let's also acknowledge something too that exorcism movies are kind of 
not as popular as they were about 10 years ago. You know, like when the when the Conjuring and that's just my opinion, but like when the Conjuring movies first started coming out, we were at like peak exorcism movies. Like I felt like every week there was an exorcism movie coming out. Um and last year they put out another one, Pray for the Devil. I don't know if either of you guys saw that. Mm-hmm. Uh was really I did. I liked it. did you? I did. Yeah, see, I was kind of left I was kind of left a little cold on that one. Um and again, I felt like we got into a rut where the possession movies ended up being just kind of the same thing over and over again. So what can they do to and I'm not saying this is a cash grab thing, but what's the draw here like you said, Roy, it's that it's an exorcist movie. Um now the thing that differentiates this one from say like Halloween 2018 with David Gordon Green that movie Halloween 2018 is very much a return to form for Halloween whereas this one is like being an exorcist movie but really shaking up the formula and not doing a return to form if that makes sense yeah so like people might go in with expectations of like Halloween 2018 and because let's be honest, Halloween 2018 created like a whole new trend of bringing back legacy characters. Texas Chainsaw Massacre tried to do it, even though they didn't have Marilyn Burns around to do it. And it's become like the new thing to like bring back the legacy characters and do a, a sequel. Candyman did it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is the next piece of the puzzle there. I think Nightmare on Elm Street, they're trying to do it with Nancy. Um, That started a trend there. But this one, again, is like, we're going to do that, but we're going to make it its own thing, which I actually kind of appreciated because, again, it would probably would have been very tempting to just do The Exorcist again for a new generation. Yeah, or try to do a whole story with Ellen Burstyn again and bring back Linda Blair and, like, try to tell a story with just them, kind of like if you did, like, the new Indiana Jones, where it's just like, okay, these guys are too old for this now, and... So I do like that they they have an original story with new characters and like you're getting like a new, you know, like we're getting a new trilogy with new people to follow. So that's yeah. cool. And for me, it doesn't feel like in this movie, one of those legacy sequels where like by the end, the legacy characters are ready to just like leave the franchise and pass everything on to the next generation. I feel like by the end of this movie and we'll get into what happens, but by the end of the movie, I feel like Ellen, Ellen Bernstein, Chris and... Uh, I'll just go ahead and say it. By the end of the movie, Reagan shows up. Yeah. Um, I feel like Chris and Reagan are there to stay by the end of Believer to go into, I think the next one's called Deceiver. Yeah. I feel like they're there to stay and become a bigger part of the story as opposed to, well, we'll just pass it on to a next generation and be done. Well, see, now I think the way that they're hyping it up, I hope it doesn't turn into like this felt like the end of Force Awakens where you see Luke he doesn't really say anything, and then we're getting the sequel, which is like our, our last Jedi, which might be Deceiver, where we think we're going to be like, oh, we're going to see Ellen Burst and Linda Blair teaming up, and they're going to be doing an exorcism together, and they're going to be kicking some demon's ass together. Mm-hmm. So like we're, we, we're getting that hyped up moment where we think we're going to be seeing that, and it's like, okay, now we're getting a true exorcist sequel, where we're getting like the greatest hits of exorcist, like this is the goodies we want. And like we're probably, and like if we don't get it, everybody's going to be shitting on it like they did with the last Jedi. Cause people that, that movie super divisive, mm-hmm. you know, there were moments that people were expecting to get 
And I feel like David Gordon Green does this thing, like kind of like Ryan Johnson does, where he like he goes against the grain, like whatever you expect you're gonna see. He does the complete opposite because he doesn't want to just give you what you think you want. He wants to give you something you didn't know you thought you wanted. And people yeah. kind of like I feel like people reject that. They're like, no, like I know what I want. I yeah, want to well, see Linda Blair and Ella Burstyn kicking ass together, take on well, a that's, demon. That's the danger of of fan service, though. That, that's the thing. I, <laughs> I think that's the problem with these franchises is that like they're stuck in like this weird kind of rut where like they're kind of damned if they do, damned if they don't. I, I don't know. Pretty much, because then you look at uh, and this is a hot take uh, again from me, but look at Marvel and look mm-hmm. at Spider Man No Way Home. Mm-hmm. That was basically, as someone else put it on another podcast, fan service the movie. Like mm-hmm. the studio just gave the fans everything they wanted. And yeah, I saw it too. It's entertaining. And like, it's cool to see all the Spider-Man on screen and see all the villains again. That doesn't do anything for me though. I already saw that stuff. So like, it doesn't do anything for me to just see it all again, you know? Well, I think it's interesting too, to see where this trend goes. Cause it is a very new trend. You know, Force Awakens was what, 2014, 2015. We have Halloween 2018. In the generations before this, not that I can remember, and to a large scale, they wouldn't bring back these old players in movies. And especially in horror, if, you know, they did it in like Nightmare on Elm Street 3, but by and large, once you start getting into the sequels, that's that. You have new casts each time. The monster is evolving in different ways. Um, so it's just kind of interesting to see where each franchise is going to go with this. Yeah. Unless you want to really challenge the grain and do something like two movies that I love. And I think you guys have both said you really like, uh, Wes Craven's new nightmare, I think was a really cool twist on where nightmare and where nightmare and Elm street had gone by that point, like six movies in, Mm -hmm. uh, and then, uh, I know everybody hates it, but I actually respect the hell out of it. Blair, Witch. Two, a book of shadows. Well, that's something you're going to run into as well. Is you, I th- think what you're re- referencing is how movies can become meta, and yeah. mm-hmm. the characters in the movie know that Nightmare on Elm Street was a movie, or that the Blair Witch Project was a movie. How many times are we going to do that before now that gets stale? Because it seems like so many things are doing that these days, and it's not as fresh as it was in New Nightmare. Yeah, yeah and you I, know, what did I, that last year? I, th- I think it was maybe not last year, 2021, was the fourth uh, Matrix, the Matrix Resurrections. Yep. Mm. Which I liked, but like, same with that meta thing. Like, we're going to acknowledge that the Matrix is a movie that happened and Keanu Reeves was in it, and it's like, yeah, man, just like, just give us the movie. Well, when I I say challenge the grain like that, I don't don't necessarily mean like, do a meta thing, because I don't really think that would work with The Exorcist. Um, I think when I say challenge the grain, or go against the grain, I mean like, doing a story in the exorcist universe and Mm. maybe uh like again i'm i'm happy to see ellen bernstein back here i know people wanted more of her um i thought everything she did here was perfect i had my my fill here i thought she was fantastic um and i wasn't i didn't feel ripped off because i know a lot of people are saying like oh she was so heavily marketed and you know she was like only in the movie for 10 minutes. And I'm like, well, I mean, for me looking at the trailer, she wasn't really marketed. She wasn't marketed as the star. Mm-hmm. It was marketed. Yeah, she's as... not like the Jamie Lee Curtis of yes, this. Yes. Yeah. 
she wasn't she wasn't marketed as come see ellen bernstein it's like hey this is in the world of the exorcist and here's some proof for you so i didn't feel ripped off uh in that but i understand why they want to do that to kind of i don't want to say jump on that trend but again like give the fans something that they want but i feel like for me doing that little connection gave them the good grace for me to go in a different direction and i know a lot Mm -hmm. of people i feel like a lot of people just really wanted the exorcist again so it's like kind of like you said, Zach, it just damned if you do, damn if you don't. Like if you go too far off, it's like Roy with music. Like if you if you're a band and you're you're known for something, going forward, like if you veer too off too far off from your sound, like everyone's gonna hate it. If you do the same thing over again, everyone's gonna hate it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and just thinking about like the Exorcist movies, it's almost like how do you how do you do that in a way that's going to complement the franchise like they did in Halloween? Because with Halloween, you have that element of Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Myers, they go way back. Now you're getting it again, but we're going to do things a little bit different. When I think of the exorcist, you know, I think of Regan possessed in the bed and the mom just kind of like, Oh my God, like, how do you really take that and push it further? I guess would be my question. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Really, if you look at the core of what Halloween is, I feel like it's Laurie versus Michael. Like the best movies, I feel like it's Jamie Lee Curtis versus Michael Myers. Like you see that showdown between the two. So I feel like this, when you think of The Exorcist, it's really Reagan and Pazuzu. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The only other time we really get that besides the first one is the second one. And that movie is just kind of like a... I don't know if you guys have ever seen that movie, but long time ago (laughs) (laughs) it kind of misses the mark a little bit it's a unique movie but everybody Mm -hmm. hates it i think it's got like a 2.0 on imdb or something it's like one of the worst sequels of all time i saw those i saw those in the poltergeist sequels around the same time probably at least 20 years ago (laughs) and for the life of me i cannot differentiate either one anymore i mean what is it's like what what do rotten tomato Mm -hmm. scores or imdb scores mean anymore that's true too yeah you know form your form your own opinion basically um but uh you know talking about our expectations of the movie so we saw ellen bernstein was going to be in it were you guys pulling for reagan to show up because i honestly wasn't even thinking about it but did you have a feeling that she would show up i did just watching it what <laughs> <laughs> once they yeah, start once get you, into it once yeah. you watch the movie and reagan's mentioned like 10 times you're like okay mm. she's in here somewhere i did wonder for me uh, if she would actually show up or if this would be like a Scream 6 scenario where she's been written out of it. Because mm. Linda Blair wasn't anywhere in the promotion from what I can remember. Uh, but they I did her wonder, a secret. Yep. And I just wondered if maybe this would be a Scream 6 scenario where she had been written out of it, but we're going to pay tribute to her character and give her some closure. So when she showed up at the end, it actually caught me off guard. I didn't think she would be in it at all. I, and if she was, I thought it would be like it happened. It would be like the Force Awakens thing where yep, Ellen Burstyn is the Han Solo where Harrison Ford takes the lead for most of the Force Awakens. And then you get a little shot of Mark Hamill at the end. And then Mark Hamill takes the lead in the sequel because Harrison Ford's dead now or he gets his eyes gouged out in Ellen Burstyn's case. 
And then I think, and then I think Linda Blair <laughs> might take the lead in Deceiver, and then maybe Ellen Burstyn takes a step back because she can't see anything anymore. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, before <laughs> before Reagan shows up, there's a lot. That, <laughs> I'm just gonna uh... write. De- I'm just gonna write Deceiver. So <laughs> call there you go. Write the screenplay, or uh, or or she could go off and become a great swordsman, like every other blind samurai. <laughs> right. <laughs> there you go. Well, before Reagan shows up at the end, there's a lot that happens. Uh, so Catherine and Angela are found, uh, and they can't really remember what happened to them. Honestly, this part where this portion of the movie where the girls go back home is my favorite portion of the movie. Uh, they call it the infestation stage in the Conjuring movies, where it's you get the most scares here, right? Where uh, the girls are slowly starting to become violent and mysterious and scary. Um, and props to both of these actresses uh, that play Catherine and Angela. I thought they were both absolutely stellar uh, at their roles. I think they were just as good as uh, Linda Blair. And Zach, I'm actually jealous of you because both of them are going to be at uh, Horror Hound in Cincinnati. Oh, I didn't even know that. The two actresses? Mm-hmm. Both of oh, no both, both Angela that. and Catherine are going to be there. Nice shit. Oh, yeah, that's exciting. So, I, did, I did not know that. But yeah, they're they're scary as hell when they start freaking out. Angela has one scene where she like attacks Victor, like runs out of a room or something, and attacks him, mm-hmm. and then yeah. has like a seizure. That scared the shit out of me. There's one cool like little editing trick where she's not in the bathroom, and then he turns the light back on, and she's standing right there. And I was like, that. Yeah, yeah, that, that was a good lo- scene. I love editing shit like that where they kind of do quick cuts, and that's awesome. And I like too about this one how they had the two girls possessed and not just the one. I thought that added to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it leads to my favorite plot point and pretty much the twist of the movie later on, uh, which we'll get to. But obviously, a scene that was heavily involved in the trailer was the church service where Catherine is. Uh, uh, covered in something and comes into the church and does the, the body and the blood, the body and, body the, blood. and the blood. And, uh, you know, everybody's v- very disturbed by her in the, in the service. Um, it's a great scene. That to yep. me is the, that's echoing the, when Reagan comes down during the party and starts peeing on the carpet. I feel like that's that scene. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I thought this was a cool scene. Just seeing her walk down the aisle in the church. Mm-hmm. like we make fun of it but like looking at it like yeah that, would, that was kind of a creepy scene for me and, well, and like yeah. everybody in the church they're all believers in this mm-hmm. stuff so even if you as a viewer well you're supposed to believe it it's real because it's a supernatural movie so you're, you're seeing it's for real in the movie in the universe but if you're a believer in church and you're seeing like an agent of the devil for real coming down that's possessed and they're like it's like the devil's in your house now yeah mm-hmm that's gotta be scary shit for like the people sitting in the church. Yeah. Right. And I think yeah. it's cool too that, you know, if you look at demonic possessions or whatever, they always go after the innocent people and the righteous people because they're the ones the demons want to fuck with. Like guys like us are fine. There's yeah. not much demons can do with us. Yeah. But they want to corrupt and and bring down these people, you know, who are holy and righteous and innocent believers and all that. Um, so it makes sense why these things would target girls like them. Yeah, we've yeah, seen they're... some shit. There's no, there's no, there's nothing getting in this mind. <laughs> <laughs> nothing getting in there that isn't already there. <laughs> You're like, I've got, got enough. Truth. That's what I'm going to say. I got enough demons. Thank you. 
<laughs> uh, again, when there's a vacancy. Yeah. But uh, one one aspect I do really like about this movie is the aspect of community from like we get a lot of different perspectives about what may be happening to the girls uh, from different religions and beliefs, too, which I thought was a really cool um, aspect to introduce into the movie that we get not just Catholicism, but we get a Protestant view um, kind of that that. um I don't want to say voodoo, but kind of something similar to that, like a voodoo aspect of it. Um, like a, a, uh, a folk yeah, magic a, or something. Yeah, a healer aspect to it, like a shaman type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the scientific view. I thought those were a really cool melting pot of everything that it took. Like this is a bigger case than before in the 70s. This is going to take everyone to come together. Uh, and Ellen Bernstein has a really great scene where she talks about Oh yeah, I studied exorcisms, but I studied it from all perspectives, not just Catholicism, which I thought was actually really cool. Yeah. Um yeah, and it too, it I think somebody has the speech in there about how religion's more than just going somewhere and worshiping whatever you believe in. It's about like community and coming together. And I, I think about that all the time because like I moved out to a new city. I don't know anybody. Back in the day, my parents would move. They'd find a new city, go to the church, meet their friends there. And, you know, I often think about that. Like on a personal level, I think there's a lot of benefits to religion, even if it's just getting out once a week and seeing people. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I I just agreed with a lot of her points there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, one person believing in something doesn't really mean anything. It doesn't really make any difference. Like if there's one Scientologist in the world, like that's not really like a you know however you want to look at that person if they're a threat or whatever or, you know looking at it in a certain way but if there's like a, a whole group of someone that shares that same belief then that that's what gives that power is and is that sense of community so yeah um there's a lot of like hateful uh reviews about that online too people that are bashing this movie they're like we're gonna be all inclusive with that woke nonsense all religions coming together dude yeah. i'm I'm here for it, man. I I'm I saw that too, and I just seriously, people like I'm here for it, man. Like, can't like, we just have nice things? Can't we just like have people coming together to fight the devil? We can't. Yeah, have that no, movie? that's what it's community, man. I it's nice to see people not fighting. I would really be annoyed with the movie if they were just fighting over their different beliefs. You know, because yeah. they, they wouldn't solve anything like in the world. Like you don't solve anything by just fighting with each other. You know, you try to meet people where they are. And I, I like that all these people from different backgrounds can come together to try to help these 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 two girls. Yeah, that's uh, like one of the that's like some of the magic of like storytelling that you see in movies is that like, you know, you get to see like these uh, larger than life uh, obstacles and you can you get to see how people come together in ways that you might not see in real life like even if it's just a fantasy everybody coming together and working together mm-hmm. for the common good yeah they bring it's in ni- the... it's nice to at least see it in a movie even if it's not going to happen in real life <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i like that it's uh you don't the have older... to bash it and give it a one out of ten right and i like that it's uh, older yeah and i like that it's the older generation kind of bringing them all together again ellen bernstein uh is the one that says she studied from all backgrounds you're gonna need everyone to take this on and love i'll just throw it out there i know people wanted more of her again i love the scenes we got of ellen bernstein i love that she is 91 that blew my mind what 
She I is would not have guessed that. She is 91 years mm. old. She looks like she's like in her 40s or 50s. Yeah. <laughs> 40s? <laughs> no, I'm not being I'm being serious, dude. Like she seriously does not look 91 at all. She definitely doesn't look 91. Also, no, she doesn't. To, also, I just realized she and her she and I have the same birthday. December seventh. Yeah, that's cool. Uh but yeah, she does not Pearl look ninety one. And I what? Pearl Harbor Day. Yeah, it is Pearl Harbor Day. Uh but I love seeing her back in here. When we cut to Victor trying to like outsource help for Angela and Catherine, when we hear that exorcist score, uh I remember being in the theater and like just getting chills when he's driving to meet um, Chris and the score kicks in like that made me so happy. That was like hearing the Halloween music all over again, you know, when Halloween 2018 came out. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. It's a iconic theme. So to hear it while you're watching an exorcist movie, it's just like, hell yeah. Did you yeah, all... it definitely feels like you've been watching it for an hour and now you're getting this moment like now it's an exorcist movie. Now it's we've got to this point, this point where. Well, that's something to that's something to talk about. Did you did you feel like you like did you kind of forget that you were watching an Exorcist movie during that first hour, which you 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 said you found more compelling? Um, I didn't forget, but um, well, I don't, I don't mean literally forget, but did you like? Yeah, but it, it became more noticeable that that they were leading up to this moment where it was be- going to be you know become like. Okay, now it's an exorcism. Yeah, so yeah. did it did it feel like a separate entity to you guys uh before we yeah. got to that to the hour mark when when Chris showed up? Yeah, kind of did. Kind of like split and kind of like um there's scenes in Ghostbusters Afterlife where you see like the Ecto one, like you know, you see them like taking the uh the tarp off the car, like off the Ecto one, but like they kind of like go out of their way the first hour to make you think it's like almost you almost forget that that's what it is until they kind of bring you back in again. Yeah, and so, I do lo- yeah. I do love Ghostbusters Afterlife, but I am much happier with the way Chris is brought back in here at the hour mark, not at the hour and 40 minute mark at the very end. <laughs> That's my only gripe with uh ex- or not Exorcist, uh Ghostbusters Afterlife is that all the crew doesn't show up until the last 10 minutes of the movie. <laughs> and they just like immediately get together and are just right there to help, you know. I like that Chris got an introduction and you know, once you kind of know who they're going to go see, it's like, oh, shit, here we go. Yeah. Yeah, I think for me, I'm not as familiar with the Exorcist franchise as I am other franchises. Like, I know the Halloween franchise. I know the Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street. But I know the original Exorcist. I know I've seen some of the sequels. So for me, it was just like, yeah, I guess I'm watching an Exorcist movie that first hour and then when you hear that theme it's like okay yeah this is definitely part of that world and part of that saga that they're trying to tell yeah and for me personally i actually felt like it meshed pretty well like it didn't feel like two separate entities to me it felt like here's a new mm-hmm. story in the exorcist franchise or universe and now we're back like we're going to bring in elements that you're more familiar with you've had time with these characters now let's mix them with the old kind of thing and uh, I want, I honestly thought, like you, Zach, I thought that Reagan wasn't going to show up until the next one. Uh, and for all intents and purposes, she kind of doesn't. You know, she's there for one scene at the end. Um, but I was shocked that uh, after everything they went through, that uh, that Chris and Reagan had a falling out over Chris's memoir. 
Yeah, I've, I've heard some reviews that like it's interesting that that they went that direction with uh, Chris that she even wrote a memoir because the everything she went through is so horrific. It's like why would she want to revisit it? And I would almost be like not embarrassed, but I'd want to put all that behind me and not like expose my daughter to that attention or like mm-hmm. even have that attention on me because because like Chris is an actress, she yeah. was a movie actress, and like I don't know, I almost but wouldn't that... write a, write a book about it, right? But that's another element I actually liked about this sequel is that in the original Exorcist, the focus really isn't on Chris. Chris is like almost like a bystander going through this. Mm-hmm. Reagan's the one possessed and Father Karras is the one on the faith journey. Mm-hmm. Chris is is kind of just there and being a worried mom. She got a lot more character development in here, which I really appreciated. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it, yeah. I mean, yeah, you're left wondering. When did the first one come out? Fifty years ago, seventy. Uh, yeah, it was yeah. fifty years ago. Like right now. Holy shit balls! Um, Holy shit balls! It's just funny, like the audience, as the as the audience, you're left wondering, like, what what have they been through the past fifty years? You know, and then you get mm-hmm. kind of like that recap. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And it's uh, not what you would expect that right to happen to them. You know. Well, after Chris, you know tells victor like you're gonna need everyone chris has a confrontation with demon catherine and okay so i had to look this up is this demon not pazuzu i thought that it was because it's bringing up all that shit from the past yeah right. I, thought well, it, I thought it was pazuzu because well, then it, i looked it, it, up it something her. in it and it seemed like it had a different name for the demon hmm uh so that actually confused me um yeah no in the credits uh the name is lamashtu so i wasn't quite sure how that works i know that there's like the whole legion thing with you know various devils kind of all being one yeah um but yeah, that kind of threw me off that it seemed to be implied, at least in the credits, that it was that it wasn't Pazuzu. But then there was also yep. that familiarity between Chris and the demon. Right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It seemed like it knew her from the previous movie because it's saying all that shit about Regan and whatever. Or Regan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Um, I thought that would be the connection to like going to Chris to to get her to try to convince her to help because she's faced this particular demon before. Mm-hmm. that's the other thing is like um i didn't like like how they had victor find out about her because is it ann dowd that tells yeah victor she hear- about? he hears about it from ann uh kind of it kind of felt like not um it is i will like not organic it's not yeah really it, organic it is me. kind of abrupt like we need a bridge to get chris in here yeah. Uh, I don't know how you write that to where it feels more organic outside of just being like, hey, Victor, here's a book by someone who's been through this before. Oh, shit, let's ago, go meet Chris. Yeah. 50 years ago. Like, there's been so many people that have probably had eternal experiences since then. Yeah. But, you know, I, I don't envy the screenwriters. That's a hard thing to, to get right. Yeah. But I, I think they did yeah. what they could. Um, yeah. And again, I'm happy to see Chris again. And that scene where she confronts Demon Catherine is really intense. Mm. Um, and I know so we got to talk about this I know that this is where people got really upset when Chris gets the crucifix to the eyes 
and gets her eyes gouged out. Oh, I thought that was badass. Well, yeah, I, didn't, I didn't mind it. I, I know a lot of people hated it because it's like, oh, we waited 50 years to see her in this role again, and then she's only in it for 10 minutes, and then we see her get her eyes gouged out, but it's like... It's not like she dies. She's still there. I yeah, honestly... and I think like it adds depth to her character, especially in the next one. Like, I just want to see a badass old exorcist lady with like a like a blindfold on or something or like yeah. two eye or like sunglasses or I um, was glad that she yeah. didn't that she didn't die because that actually would have been really upsetting. Yeah. That really would that would have been a Han Solo moment. <laughs> I was thinking um uh what is it, McGruber? <laughs> Did you guys ever see that movie? <laughs> yeah. He gets this badass team of pro wrestlers together. They're like this big yeah. SWAT team and then they all get in a van and it just immediately blows up like ten minutes in. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, no, but I like how there's like a new element to her. Like she's she's mm-hmm. not going to be the same person as she was in the first movie. Like, yeah, that's what I'm saying, man. I, I think like nobody complains about Ash from Evil Dead. Like he doesn't have the chainsaw in his arm in the first movie. Like, you know, mm-hmm. they're allowed to develop over time. And yeah, I mean, could saying. this add something more? Could it heighten her spiritual senses to where she becomes more powerful in that aspect of her life without her vision? She Maybe she can see things that we can't now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think Chris gets a lot more character development. It is sad to see her get her eyes gouged out, but I'm glad she survived, and I think they can do a lot more with her uh, now that her daughter's back. Um, now, the the thing in the the as we get closer to the end of the movie that had me just white-knuckle gripping the edge of my seat is we get all the characters in one place, and it becomes almost like a contained thriller with trying to exercise the demon out of the two girls. And, you know, there's a lot of, there's pretty standard exorcism stuff, you know, like they say foul things and they know things that they shouldn't know. Uh, And we get little character moments for pretty much everyone in the room. But eventually the demon says like, you all have to choose which girl lives and which girl dies. And if you don't say anything or don't pick one of them, they both die. Yeah, that was a great way to raise the stakes. And it leaves you wondering what is going to happen. Who are mm-hmm. they going to pick? Are they going to pick one? Are they both going to die? Like, it was definitely a um, a good way to add to the climax of the movie. Yeah. And- Do you refer to it as a, a devil's trick in the, in the story? Because it feels like a devil's trick. Like, this is the ultimate slap in the face is that one of them's not going to make it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not going to and- be a happy ending. I like that it's not a happy ending. Like, it's, you know. Oh, no, not at all. And so we were talking about the uh, basically the wager, the uh, the deal that uh, the demon is having all the families make. We get a lot of character development in this scene as everyone kind of has their moment to try to collect themselves and talk it over. Um, and again, you know, there is a lot of exorcism tropes in here, but it's an exorcist movie. It's, you know, the originator of that. So I'll give it all that. Um, and like you kind of already said, Zach, this is not a happy ending. Uh, they try to free both girls. Uh, Victor has his reconciliation with his faith um, after the after the Catholic priest is killed. Uh, I think he's a Catholic priest, right? Yeah, he gets his neck snapped. Yep. I like and, that, too. That yeah, that cool. looked awesome. It seemed mm-hmm. cheesy when he was entering the house. It's like, okay, here he goes. He's coming to save the day. It's like, typical. Oh, yeah, no, they flipped like, that on it. They flipped like, that on its head, and they even defy expectations. In- even walks in saying a prayer. It's like, oh boy, yep. <laughs> here we go. Just a, and just, then <laughs> just really twisted that, that on its really head. Really twisted that on its neck. 
Um, <clears throat> so they all try to exercise the girls. Victor even has his moment where he puts his, uh, oh, I guess we should probably talk about Victor's because he's kind of the person that we're following. Uh, it's revealed that Victor had chosen that he was going to save his wife instead of the kid. Uh, right. but it didn't pan so, out that way because his wife died from her injuries. And then that leads to the girl being possessed, the demon telling him, you never even wanted me in the first place. And mm-hmm. that's when we learn that he chose to save his wife instead of his unborn child. Yep. Kind of playing on that fear of like, well, what do you care if she dies? You didn't want her before. Yeah. Um, we don't get as I found much... that to be a very, oh, I'm sorry, Kevin. Go no, go ahead, buddy. I found that to be like a very powerful, like, twist to like a story like this where yeah he he has that guilt of choosing his wife over his unborn child and i feel like you don't see that type of uh guilt and that type of like deep dark like stuff that's in the psyche that that people live through like like a traumatic thing like that Mm -hmm. and like having that demon come back and haunting you and you have to face that stuff that's in your pet like that's some dark shit well, that's what I'm saying, man. I just i I think that's why I appreciate this sequel so much is that there's a lot of character development in here, mm-hmm. uh, almost more so than The Exorcist. We followed really only one character in the original Exorcist that had a bunch of character development. And that was Father Karras, mm-hmm. and he mm-hmm. didn't really do much until like an hour into the movie. We're following all the characters in here and kind of learning things about them as we go. Uh, and I think that uh, we did that with Halloween 2018 and it's two sequels that we learned a lot about Lori as time went on. Um, and uh, I think uh, Danny McBride and David Gordon Green are both pretty skilled at kind of flushing out uh, movie universes in that way. Uh, and then yeah, it all I, think bit- I think they're really good at writing like human characters that you can believe like mm-hmm. their arcs, you know, and stuff that they've been through, like writing traumatic experiences. I think they're mm-hmm. really good at like shit like that. Right, and like what you were saying about the choice the father has to make, or not the father, (laughs) Victor has to make. I don't want to confuse that with the priest. Um, It makes you think, like, what would I do in that situation? Mm -hmm. If my wife is dying and if she lives, the unborn child dies, if vice versa? Like, I was thinking to myself, like, man, what would I do? And I think that's... Yeah, like, is that something to feel guilt over? Like, is that something that he should be holding over himself? Like, it is a natural thing. Like, if you have to make a choice, of course you're going to feel guilt, but like, another like damned if you do damned if you don't like, you have to do something and like that's weighing over him and the devil kind of uses that against him and it's like oh it's good stuff yeah, yeah it is and i mean whether or not you should or shouldn't i mean how could you not feel guilty yeah, yeah. there's <laughs> yeah. no answer to the question right. it's just kind mm-hmm. of yeah yeah so this movie begs let's all give of... our spicy takes on <laughs> well again this movie begs a lot of questions that way i feel and uh yeah. And holy shit, does it end on an ending that I was not expecting because we see Angela starting to kind of come back and Catherine's uh, dad, I believe, says, I choose Catherine, like just decides to make the choice. And oops, choosing Catherine doesn't save her because that's the, yep, that's the demon's twist on it is that, uh, whoever got chosen is going to die and Catherine gets chosen and dragged to hell. And how crazy is that imagery that we see whenever that's happening? Like, Oh, you just that was get... some, that was some <laughs> Sam Raimi drag me to hell stuff. I loved it. <laughs> yeah. It's just like flashes for, 
a couple frames at a time, but you just see these demonic creatures and they're all mm -hmm. in darkness. I thought that was really cool to see. And she's like 13 or something. And mm -hmm. like, well, you remember that opening from Drag Me to Hell, right, uh, Zach, where yeah. uh, the little boy gets dragged to hell by the demons? Yeah. Uh, and I like that it all went back to that little like sewer thing that Angela and Catherine were playing in when they were doing the seance, that that was like the manifestation of wherever they went. That might be the portal. Who knows? We'll find mm. out in the sequel. Uh, but yeah, she gets damned to hell and she flatlines and uh, Angela is alive. So now going into the sequel, we have uh, <laughs> Catherine damned to hell. We have Angela alive. We are going to have some serious tension to explore between Catherine's family and Victor. Yeah, I think. And like, I think that this movie, like, again, by the end, like I wanted to see her to be out immediately uh, to see what's going to happen between these families going forward. Because like, how do you come back from this? I think it would be cool to see more of those scenes that were demonic and hellish, mm -hmm. not overexposing to the point where it's just like, oh, whatever, but more stuff like that sprinkled in throughout the next movie, I think would be a really cool take on it. Well, I think it'd be cool to see the flip side that Exorcist Believer was kind of about the belief of all of the the characters that we have. And then Exorcist mm. Deceiver, I mean, they the demon pulled the ultimate deceit here in yeah. the twist mm. that I think we are, probably will see more of of hell and more of the that side of things. And I think that's where Reagan can come into play too, because she's been there. Yeah, that's true. I think if I had to guess. What's what is it? It's 1229 2023. We could put it like in a time capsule. I think <laughs> the next one will be a lot darker because the part twos of movies tend to be darker, like Empire mm -hmm. Strikes Back and Dark Knight. It needs to be a much darker movie. Reagan will be in it much more, and uh, Ellen Burstyn will be in it less. And I think this will feel more like this will be more of a straight up exorcist movie. Kind yeah. of like like kind of like Halloween Kills, like Halloween Kills feels like a straight up mm. Halloween movie. Mm -hmm. That's what that's that's what I hope. Yeah. And there is a a second sequel plan too, a third entry into what is going to be a trilogy. Um, and this movie made its money back. You know, regardless of what the critics thought, it made its money, and it was a success for October. So we're gonna we're gonna get it, and I'm excited. And you know, obviously, the thing that was not put in any trailers and is the last thing we see um it they fooled me i'll admit when chris is in the hospital and she's bandaged up and you assume that it's victor coming to see her because there's a cut from him at the gravesite and then going to what you think is the hospital uh they fooled me up until her hand showed up i did not guess that it was reagan and uh it it uh Made me very happy and emotional to see Reagan and Chris on screen together again, even just for that one second. Like with The Force Awakens, like, yeah, it was cool to see Luke Skywalker, but it was a new character, Ray and um, Luke. Like they didn't really have a relationship with each other. Seeing these two back on screen, mother and daughter reunited again, was a really beautiful thing to me. Yeah, and I like this bittersweetness to it. Like <clears throat> the people complaining about how her eyes are gouged out. I think there's something like kind of like, I don't know. It's kind of like tragic and kind of poetic about she gets to see her daughter again. I feel I, I forget like how long they had seen each other by this movie, like in between the first movie and this movie. 
like how long they had seen each other, Chris and Reagan. But like she doesn't actually get to see her daughter in the flesh ever again. She doesn't get to see, like this is her moment where she gets to the reunited, but she doesn't get to see her again. Like I just thought like little stuff like that. I'm like, that's that's pretty cool yeah. writing that that they make choices like that. That's yeah. yeah. And talking about bittersweet too, not just with those two, but you think of the other characters. Like Victor has to go on now, still knowing his wife is dead, everything that mm-hmm. happened to his daughter. Catherine's parents now have to go on without their daughter. And mm-hmm. the ending speech really hits at that. Like all this bad shit can happen, but the human spirit is you got to keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. And An- Angela is aware of Victor's decision. Yeah, that's true too. So, so yeah, their relationship, gotta... the relationship has to evolve and build with that information that she has of you know him not originally wanting her. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta. There's a lot of wounds to uh, to heal in Deceiver, I think, and I think a lot of uh, emotions and a lot of uh bitterness and you know just <laughs> raw emotion and and things are going to come out in deceiver um so i gotta throw this out there you think Catherine's coming back or you think she's done can they can they rescue her from hell you think this universe will go there can we have a, a poltergeist situation where it's a little more fantastical and they can go into the other side and pull carol ann out or you think she's done i would like to see that yeah for sure it would definitely be a different take on things let's it would definitely be somewhere that i don't think the exorcist franchise has gone yet they've never been like that fantastical to me yeah yeah i mean i would be interested in that something a little more uh intense a little more i don't want to say a little more supernatural it's a movie about demon possession but something maybe a little more um visual in that sense a lot of times with the demon possessions we get the person who's possessed and all the weird shit happens to them but like let's go to the source of it like let's go to hell a little bit like i'm down yeah just tie a rope around your around your waist and, <laughs> and then you'll be back. fine <laughs> uh or it could be like uh constantine keanu reeves <laughs> i just, love that movie me just too go to hell with a couple nine millimeters yeah you gotta put your feet in a in a a pot of water and then stare into the eyes of a cat to go to hell. I don't know. I still to this day don't understand why that transports you to hell, <laughs> but uh, that's okay. I still love that movie. Um, but uh, yeah, man, I don't know. I mean, if Catherine is done for in deceiver still, then this is, this franchise is really going to get dark. I actually hadn't thought of this. I, I just kind of assumed that her, her parents and her are not going to be a part of the sequel or the rest of this trilogy. Well, now, I mean, now that you're saying it, I'm like, it seems like she it's kind of open ended for her. Like she could come back. Mm-hmm. Well, the I shot. Don't, I don't know if the plot would revolve around them trying to save her. I can almost see her being like, she would want revenge against Victor. Yep, exactly. Like, That's I could what see I'm her thinking. being evil and maybe mm. trying to. She could try to possess Angela, and she's like made a deal with the devil or something, and she's you know she's like the antagonist. Yeah, like Catherine's parents cool. are trying to do whatever to appease the demon yeah. to mm-hmm. get to get Catherine back. Or maybe uh, the, exactly maybe what the, I was the, thinking. The parents, her parents, are using a Ouija board to try to bring her back, and they they <laughs> yeah. don't bring her back. They bring back someone else instead, like a demon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah no, I know. I, I was... think that there's a lot of room to open up the floor to uh, as we go into Deceiver. Um, that could be the deceiver right there. The parents use Ouija port to bring Catherine back, and they bring Catherine back, and they think it's Catherine, like her, like in body and flesh, it's Catherine. 
but it's actually like a demon inside Catherine's body acting like Catherine. Yeah, there I like you go. It. I like it. Yeah, Fuck there's yeah. A, there's a lot to I mean that shot at the at the end of them of Catherine's parents like meeting at the diner or the restaurant or whatever seems to think that they're contemplating something for the new one. Hmm. Yeah. So Yeah, that's a good call. I never thought of that. Yeah. So Reagan's back into play. Chris is in the hospital. Victor's got his daughter back. And Catherine's parents are mourning, and we leave on a pretty, uh, like, sad but hopeful ending now that Reagan's back. Because, I mean, Reagan knows better than anyone what Catherine's been through and what Angela's been through. So uh, I can't wait to see where they go. And, yeah, again, I just, I feel like this movie has a lot to offer, and I think it's unfairly hated on and written off. I understand that there's problems here. You know, there's, there's, it is a little long. There is some stuff that kind of just gets dropped that doesn't really come into play. Um, but I think it's very emotionally charged for me. This was one of the most like emotional roller coasters I had in the theater with, with horror movies this year. Hmm. Yeah. And I think, uh, Leslie Odom Jr. I think he's a fantastic actor and I love his relationship with, uh, Angela, the girl plays Angela. I, I love their dynamic, like the father daughter relationship throughout the movie like it feels very real and mm-hmm. like realistically done i think they're both really awesome actors yeah we talked about that in renfield in the last episode that these are all characters that you care about i care about these characters in the exorcist believer yeah and i want to see them all be okay by the time we get to deceiver but even with that title deceiver i just i feel like things are going to get darker before they get lighter i gotta say this this talk makes me more excited for the sequel. I didn't really think about it before. And now, <laughs> if they can knock it out of the park, I will probably like this movie more. Yeah. I think. Because I do like this movie. I like, I'm, I, I'm by no means going to shit on it like a lot of people do, but I just think it's a little frustrating. But I, yeah. I, I, I will like it more over the years if like the yeah. next two really kick ass. And... Yeah. I wasn't aware that this was something to the kind of force awakens as far as bringing back the old characters i didn't know that this was going to be a sequel i didn't know or this was going to be a trilogy i didn't really know much about it but seeing it now yeah that you guys talk about the next movie and the third movie i think this could be a good kickoff to it and i'm interested to see where they take the franchise yeah so uh long story short that's our thoughts on the exorcist believer um there's good and bad here you can you can do that with every movie but there are things to like and respect about this movie. So, you know, if you haven't seen it, um, sorry, because we spoiled it for you, but if you haven't seen it or you're like kind of on the fence about it, you know, give it a, give it a watch. Every movie deserves a chance, you know? So, uh, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's our thoughts on it. Um, and, uh, that's our last, you know, episode and movie review for 2023. And I felt like it was only appropriate to end on probably the most, one of the most talked about horror movies of the year. Um, so that's our talk on the exorcist believer. Uh, but before we get on out of here, uh, two things to address, Zach, you said on the last episode, you wanted to read your top five horror movies of this year. You got a list. Yeah. yeah thank you for reminding me. Yeah, man. I'll pull that sucker up. Okay. So I'll, I'll go in reverse order. I'll do five, four, three, two, one. Okay. So five, uh, evil dead rise. I loved Evil Dead Rise. I think I loved it more than you, Kevin. I don't know why, but I thought it was like... Yeah, I should... If anyone's listened to our Evil Dead Rise episode, I do really like Evil Dead Rise a lot. Um, More than anything, what kind of made it less 
impactful for me was the ending. Uh, the climax was just kind of a little bit of a letdown for me. Yeah. But everything, it's, but everything, it's a little weird go, at the end. Yeah. But... Everything before they go down to the parking garage area is like top notch evil dead for me. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the blackening. Yep. Number four. Loved it. Hilarious Amazing. movie. Um, dream scenario with Nicolas Cage. I haven't seen that. I just heard about that today. This is an A24 classic. I think this is going to be like up there. Like I, I loved it. Scary too. Very disturbing. Uh, Thanksgiving. Yep. Absolutely love Thanksgiving. And then uh, don't laugh at me, but I thought this movie was terrifying and people hated this movie, but I'd love to talk about it sometime. Uh, Bo is afraid. Ari Aster's new movie. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, this knocked my socks off, and I can't stop talking about it, and I can't is, stop thinking about it. I've seen it is, three times. Is Bo is Afraid a horror movie? Yes, it's like a horror comedy, but um, it yeah, it's just it's a really weird movie. Kind of reminds oh. me of The Big Lebowski if it was like a horror movie. Okay. Oh, that sounds <laughs> interesting. Great. Not, and, not it's, how it's I was... and I don't know if you'd like it because it's over three hours long and it's like just an epic like journey like uh, weird <laughs> avant-garde like eternal sunshine of a spotless mind alright I don't know but I thought it was terrifying cool well thank you for sharing that uh, Roy so do we want to give uh, people a little heads up on what to uh, look out for in uh, 2024 from us? Oh, I think we might want to. What do you want? I don't to know tell how them? much. I don't know how much <laughs> we want to give away. Do you want to? Do you want to say what's going on, or you want me to? You got to give me something. I've been waiting like two and a half hours. <laughs> uh, Kevin, I'll let you do the honors. This is your show. <laughs> All right. Uh, do we want to give the title of said project, or just keep it at we have a project? Oh, I think we should give the title. I think it's kind of catchy. Okay. God, say it. Hopefully it hopefully it doesn't change. <laughs> uh, TBD. So, yeah. But this is where we're leaning right now. So, uh, Roy's been on the show several times, as, uh, as has Zach. And uh, Roy and I have discovered, as you heard in October, that we have a very mutual love for metal music. And we have decided to launch a podcast together in the new year that we are going to call at this time hopefully it stays the same uh metalholics anonymous nice <laughs> and uh it's gonna launch in 2024 uh bi-weekly episodes i believe is what we're looking at right now and uh we're basically just gonna talk anything and everything metal probably venture off into a few like other genres for bonus episodes or something uh want to talk to some musicians and do some interviews with bands uh and just do kind of an overall celebration of metal music every other week yeah definitely and this all came about because pretty much every day you and i talk about music since i first met you really right yeah man <laughs> and uh <laughs> it's always a blast and I believe you had the idea, like, hey, do you just want to meet, catch up every so, uh, catch up every so often, and just bullshit about music and what we're listening to, and talk about different metal genres and different types and bands and all this? And I'm just like, hell yeah, yeah man, I'm definitely down to do that. I, I love talking that stuff. So 
I'm ready well, for I'll be, it. Um, well, I'll be honest, Roy, you're too good at podcasting that it actually bothers me that you don't have a podcast. So <laughs> that's probably partially the reason that I was like, let's do this because Roy needs a podcast. <laughs> well, yeah, this, I appreciate This is fantastic, that. man. Like, this is really cool. Yeah. So uh, yeah. we're still working out uh, a few things like a logo and a theme song. I believe uh, Mr. J is going to do a song for us. And uh, Zach, I actually did... Uh, uh, tell Roy that you do some designing. So maybe you want to design the logo for us. Yeah, absolutely. All I right. said, I'd pay you with 20 smooches. <laughs> Give me 20 and then... cents. And... <laughs> 20 and thrusts. Then... There you go. <laughs> Dry thrust only. <laughs> no, I'd love to. I'd be honored. Absolutely. And awesome. then if you want to come talk some metal music with us anytime, you can be a guest on, on the show. Absolutely. Does ACDC count? Cause I have an yeah, embarrassing dude. amount of knowledge. Fuck yeah. ACDC <laughs> counts for that band. I have, I have an autistic level of knowledge of that band. <laughs> well, there we go. But here's uh, a quick yeah. question. Do you like Bon Scott or Brian Johnson better? Bon Scott. There you go. There you go. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, there's a little <laughs> sneak peek of uh, Metal Holics Anonymous uh, or TBD as we're calling it right now. Uh, there were some other names on the table that were also really fun too. So I was going to say uh, Midnight Metals. <laughs> that was, there was something pretty close to that. Yeah. There was one that was. Roy, I think it was from you, Face Rip Slaughterfest. <laughs> I felt that may have been a bit too ambiguous, though. <laughs> Doesn't give it away at all. But uh, uh, yeah, no, there's projectile a projectile of... piss vomit. <laughs> That's yeah, the first episode. <laughs> a Spotify exclusive. <laughs> yeah, there's a uh, there's a lot of collaborations coming up in 2024. Zach and Roy working on some stuff. We're going to keep, uh, you know, collaborating with Creepy Crowley, Reviewed to Death, and, you know, plenty of other podcasts. There's so many to name. Uh, and then, you know, launching the Metal Podcast. 2024 is about to be a great fucking year, everyone. So yeah, I'm uh, excited, man. But looking back, because as am I, Zach, but looking back, thank y'all so, so much for a fucking amazing 2023 uh 2023 led to so much more than i could have ever anticipated including becoming friends with these two fine gentlemen here uh <laughs> they're both uh doing very lovely miss america smiles and waves uh but uh yeah 2023 has been an incredible year and uh thank you all so much for everything you've done for midnight terrors we are not what we are without you and uh we just thank you all for listening and being a part of the family. Shout out to Jason. Love you, Jason. Hell Jason. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. So thanks everybody for an amazing 2023. Thank you, Zach and Roy for everything this year. Always a pleasure. I can't wait to work with you guys again in the future. And finally, Roy, it feels like I have met you, but I'm, I'm bummed out every time I remember that I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> no, right. I feel like we've known each other a lot longer and that we've met up and hung out, but none of that's happened. I know, but I've met Zach and we're going to do the trifecta in 2024 very early on. So it's going to be great. But y'all, thank you guys very much for everything this year. It's been a pleasure and I can't wait for more in 2024. Fucking love you guys. Fucking love all you listeners out there. And uh, thanks for being part of the Midnight Terrors family. And we'll see you all again in 2024. Happy New Year. Peace. Peace.